0: welcome to the twilight show with me ben thomas on the very first show i'll be talking to a current head teacher and colleague uh, on the role schools are playing and indeed can play in helping their communities we'll be discussing the challenges communities up and down the country are facing currently and how educational settings are helping children to make sense of their lives outside of school all this to come on tuesday's twilight show Alrighty, good evening. Uh, the first thing to uh, <clears throat> to say, as you can probably tell, I've, I'm just recovering from um, a second bout of COVID, which was absolutely delightful. Um, and I'm I'm here with with Louisa Sangera, who I have had the pleasure of working with for uh, five years now, and she's literally right next to me. But also, she's got what I'd class as a slight sniffle. So <laughs> I had I had serious COVID for the last couple of days, and Louisa has now decided to jump on that bandwagon and. And have um, a slight sniffle. So if we, if the voices break, uh, if we start coughing, all that sort of stuff, then then that's kind of the biggest issue that we've got really. Um, hopefully you can hear me. Hopefully you're hearing all this as well. Um, Louisa, how are you?
1: I've got a slight sniffle apparently, but um, I'm I'm very well. Other than that,
0: good, good. Well, we're we, you know we're we're kind of as I said we we do we have been working together for a long time. Uh, Louisa is is head of our school. Um, I am a deputy of that school um, and I kind of feel like you know this is this is the first show that I've done and I think you know if if you're listening to this first time you'd want to you'd want to know who you were listening to so I uh, I've been teaching for 14 years now all in the primary sector um, and I've kind of done every single job uh, going in terms of um, leading and uh supporting and, and and teaching and things like that so I've, I've had a what i'd like to think is a really really good experience uh i've worked in a number of, of different schools um and i kind of got involved in this really because i i, I met tom uh like a education thing in birmingham before christmas and we got chatting and and he just said look you know we're looking for people not like me didn't say exactly like me but um just kind of having that conversation and 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 i thought it'd be a good opportunity to to get involved and talk about experiences really so that's kind of a very very short um you know short synopsis of, of where i've been with education um i personally absolutely love the job it's it's something that i adore um, and I don't say that about many things, to be honest. But it's something that I, I absolutely love, and, and it's it's very very difficult times at the moment for a lot of of public sectors, um, but also teaching as well. So we're we're going to talk a little bit about you know how how our school and, and schools in general are, are becoming fast becoming really um, you know kind of the focal point of of their communities and and, and what they need. So I'm going to kind of ask Louisa to, to introduce herself a little bit so that you're not sort of talking to a, a complete stranger and, and you realise that she's fully qualified to, to be on this podcast. Uh, I'm going to give myself a little bit of a, a rest. I'm going to drink some, what is this tea? What are we drinking?
1: Uh, it's a green tea matcha. It's a
0: green tea matcha. It's very nice. So I'm going to hand, um, I'm not literally going to hand the mic over to her, I'm going to literally <laughs> let her talk into it and she's going to share uh, her experiences.
1: Thank you, Ben. Um, and thank you for having me on your very, first, on your very first show. I'm very excited to be here. So <clears throat> yeah, I am, um, as you said, I think it's important um, that I introduce myself to so that, uh, people listening have got some idea of, of my background. Um, and I hadn't actually sort of thought about my background in quite a long time and kind of gone back through my teaching career. So it was actually quite a nice exercise to, to think about where I'd started and how, in a way I feel like things have almost come full circle from the first school I worked in to where I am now. Um, So I started my teaching career as an NQT in a year two class um, and the school that I joined was deemed to be failing at the time and I definitely did not understand what that meant (laughs) in terms of what my day-to-day teaching would look like and and my experience of teaching would be like um in that kind of school um probably possibly a good thing i didn't realize at the time so we i mean as people will know who've been in that situation we had very frequent ofsted inspections Um, but i worked with honestly some of the best staff i've ever worked with in that school and it was a really diverse community there were behavior challenges um, but it was great seeing the progress that happened as a result of the consistent care that we gave to those children and the nurturing approach that the school had. Um, A nurture group was set up in my time there and I absolutely loved being part of that and and learning the importance of pastoral care. I quickly became the PSHE lead um, and really enjoyed that role and I can vividly remember the head teacher announcing to us in the staff room when we became what was labelled as a satisfactory school at the time and she subsequently burst into tears and had to leave the staff room and it was only at that point I think I realised the pressure and the stress that she must have been under but she'd really kept us and you know particularly me as an NQT shielded from all that Um, she's an excellent head she's still the head there now actually. Um, I moved on from that school um, because I relocated, and I was a year one teacher next, um, and then a reception teacher, early years lead, um, and I also did my national SENCO qualification at the second school I was at too. Um, And I think, you know, being EYFS lead and also being SENCO was what really helped me to develop my relationships with parents. Um, which is something that I feel is so, so important um, working in a school in any role, but particularly as a head headteacher, um, learn how to communicate and the importance of communicating well with external agencies and, and everything else that comes along with being a SENCO. Um, while I was in that school, I also went on um, a specific leadership course for leaders from ethnic minorities and ethnic backgrounds. Um, which I felt quite weird about at the time I sort of didn't know that things like that existed and I can remember having quite an odd conversation with the head teacher sort of asking me if I wanted to to go on this course and kind of her not really knowing how to approach it with me and and how to sort of word it but um I can remember being very out of depth out of my depth on that course because I was with a lot of very experienced um professionals who were deputy heads or head teachers and you know i was very much just starting my middle leadership journey at that time but it did um it did really inspire me um i then relocated again after that uh, moved abroad and went to teach in a british international school in spain which was a completely different community it was a very big school three-form entry from nursery to year 13. Um, and I taught in Year Two, and in Year Four, I did some um, supporting across Year Seven and Eight. Um, became an assistant head of the primary school there, so learned about leading a much larger team. Was part of ISI inspections. Um, you know, learned a lot there about HR, budgets, and, and all the kind of things that, that go alongside whole school leadership. Um, and then I moved back to the UK, uh, two thousand and eighteen um and got my first head of school role um at the school where we're both at now um and yeah it's my fifth year there as i'm i'm now head teacher um and you know i'm sure we'll talk more about this as we go on but it's it's certainly been a journey when i became head of school the ofsted was due um and then we unfortunately um did go into special measures very shortly after that it was it was expected that that, that was going to happen given sort of historic things that had gone on um, but obviously we've gone through the, the journey of that through through <laughs> various monitoring visits at the same time as going through a pandemic and things like that and, and when we did eventually get that good outcome I can remember bursting into tears at that and it it took me right back to what I said right at the beginning of this very long introduction (laughs) that I'm giving for myself um but about that you know the first head teacher I worked for and and seeing that reaction from her and I think I really it kind of really took me that back to that moment and kind of had a, a very different understanding of the the role that I'm in now to I what I thought it was when I was looking at her all those years back so yeah that's um
0: that's my journey so far that's you in a nutshell yeah exactly <laughs> um i think you know all of that stuff is is really really important because what what i know of you and what i'm getting a sense from and hopefully people listening are getting a sense from is that the kind of the, all the communities you worked in are very very different but there are there are underlying threads there in terms of not just being there for the children mm-hmm. which is what you know what we do as teachers but you know we were talking about this kind of um at the end of of, of last term which seems like Sort of several months ago now about you know the demands that are placed almost accidentally on teachers on leaders but also um kind of almost from from top heavy down to to how educational practitioners are, are dealing with situations and having to deal with situations and i think you know the, the kind of the inspiration for for firstly talking about communities on on kind of my my debut show which you're listening to now of course um but also you know getting louisa on to to talk about that w- was kind of really really important because what you know we're not going to talk a lot about our school really, but there'll be there'll be bits that we chip into and and what one of the things that we've had to really do is look at how we can serve our community beyond the classroom and you know we we I would say we are working in an area that is probably fairly different to other parts of 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 the uk but also there will be threads that, that run through even in kind of little village schools as well and so kind of the challenges that, that communities are facing at the moment are you know are very very uh prominent in how we set up our school how we engage with our our communities and our parents and our children but also generally across the nation what you know what kind of school leaders perspectives are of, of the things that they're having to deal with and and being expected to deal with um so so i guess really kind of the, the first thing we're going to talk about is is how schools are kind of are currently helping at the moment you know what kind of things do you see louise as a kind of a head teacher but but also as a kind of a lead practitioner in in schools as as to as to what you know what schools are being asked to and what what kind of schools are, are, are dealing with at the moment
1: yeah so i think um you know in terms of community <clears throat> one of the the big challenges really is kind of where and what is the centre of the community now and, and where and what is the heart of the community because if there is no centre to a community and we don't know what that centre is, then what is it that that people can connect to? Um and and I
0: guess by accident it becomes the school, right?
1: Exactly, exactly. And I think there are so many um places within communities that used, used to very much be the center. So you'd have, you know, your community centers, your youth clubs, your pubs, um, places of worship, you know, those kinds of things. And, you know, lots of those things are, are closing down now or are in kind of states where people don't really feel very proud of them many communities don't have sort of single places like that Mm. anymore that everybody would go to, you know, there are different places of, of worship, um, you know, know, different people attending different things. And the one, the one thing that everybody in the close knit community will all attend at some point is, is the school. And then in addition to that, we've got the fact that we're still coming out of, of this pandemic or, or going back into it. I don't know repercussions of that. Um, Plus, obviously, the cost of living crisis. So I think all of those things are, are challenges at the moment.
0: <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I, I, th- I think the cost of living crisis is, is the biggest thing. And, you know, w- what what you kind of see in before is that, that people that were just about getting by um, before this this kind of hit, I guess. Is that the right word? I don't know. Um, like an ep- economic tsunami or something like that. It's, it, it's one of those where people that were just about managing are, are, are no longer doing that. And that's... know it's very very keenly felt in terms of you know in terms of education in terms of having children that are prepared for school have all the equipment that that, um you know that they need so it's there's a lot of things there really um and we you know we could we could talk we could do a whole separate podcast about you know the economic say failings but you know how how schools are potentially mistreated funding wise and and how you know the the, the children and, and pupils in particular are affected by that so there's there's a lot of things that really um, you know in terms of in terms of moving that forward do you think that there is a an expectation on schools to solve all of the problems that families and communities are currently facing at the moment
1: I think because people in schools are you know we're kind of on the front line of a lot of that because parents are talking to us every day children are talking to us every day it's it's going to be that we of course start thinking about what we can do to help um because nobody will you know we're not in that kind of profession where we're just going to sit back and 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 not be supportive and not help so i'm sure that all schools everywhere are are thinking about what they can do and i know you know we're the building that people go to every day that we see the same people every day so going back to what i was saying about being the center and and being the heart and creating a sense of belonging and helping people to make social connections um giving children the skills to become future leaders of communities and knowledge and understanding about looking after and caring for the community that they live in um and supporting them to sort of explore all the areas of their community and and talk to everybody who is in it and I think these kinds of things are stuff that I know you and I focus on for Mm -hmm. our school but lots of schools focus on doing with with their communities and you know you can start you can start small and then expand and there's you know various kinds of things that that go on but you know just to sort of give those things (laughs) as an overview
0: Yeah, I mean, for me, you know, in the the short time, but 14, 15 years, whatever it is I've been teaching is is a long time. I remember, you know, starting out as an NQT and, you know, you you might be called to talk about um, a child with uh, SEN in your class. You might have an annual review. You know, you might get involved just a little bit with those situations. But now, you know, you think about, and of course it comes with responsibility. It comes with the, the levels of leadership, but you think about the amount of people that that teachers, you know, just just class teachers. Um, oh, I've got to say, we've got a cat, a live cat in the room. Um, so if you can hear squeaking, it's not <laughs> my son for it's it's the cat who's currently fiddling with my foot at the moment. Hello. Um, you know, in, in in terms of how we interact with those professionals and the kind of demands that are placed physically on our time as well, is it is massive, and it's it's something we will always do because obviously it keeps the children safe and it. it it, it's bettering them in terms of how they have their life in terms of expectations but you know the 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 amount of professionals now that that class teachers have to talk to let alone you know department heads uh, assistant heads um anyone connected to a school it is just incredible and i think that that really is a you know a, a kind of a I guess a downside of, of what's going on economically in the world, um, you know, in this country, but also how some of that funding has been stripped from, you know, from from local authorities that that, that maybe could have put it in elsewhere. So it, a lot of it does fall on teachers at the moment to to build that community. I think in terms of in terms of you as a as a leader, do you feel like even even being you know, I had teacher for for four years. Do you think it's shifted even in that time?
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think I think going through the pandemic has been a huge part of that um, because what was noticed across the country is that when schools closed, when there was that point where they completely closed, it wasn't just education that children didn't get. There was so much else that children and their families didn't then get as a result of that. Even just very basic things like the routine of walking to the same place every day and seeing the same people who, who they could kind of share problems with, celebrate things with, um, and to, to feel that kind of sense of belonging because you're you're seeing those people every day and and talking to them with talking with them every day and and that feeling that they understand you and you understand them and you're you're part of something and i think not not having that physical building to go to every day and and feel part of and those groups of people to connect with this doesn't take you know very long to not have that before people can start to feel Really, quite disconnected from from their community.
0: Yeah, I think you know that that kind of connect is is really um, is really key. And I think <clears throat> you know we we were talking about this earlier, you know, in preparation for for this podcast about how how the social elements of children, in, in some respects, in school, have, have kind of improved. And I know that might go against the kind of the national picture and and maybe the the kind of the popular narrative that's coming out to teaching at the moment but certainly from from our point of view it's 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 very um it's very difficult to to explain as a as a tangible thing but there's almost a kind of a sense of relief that the, the children are back in school and they're they kind of getting face time with their teacher physically every day and you know they're seeing their peers interacting and as you said that was kind of it was one of the main things that was missing from um you know from the pandemic really um, we're going we're gonna to hear from some of our, or one of our sponsors now actually, um, and then we'll be right back with you to carry on this debut podcast with me, Ben Thomas.
2: This show is brought to you in partnership with John Katz Educational, a leading publisher of books, directories, educational guides and magazines, specifically aimed at forward-thinking schools in the UK and beyond have you checked out their latest releases don't miss out visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today happy reading
0: happy reading indeed um, and, and talking of, of being happy um it's such a it's such a difficult word to to contextualize and, and kind of wrestle with isn't it because there's almost an expectation on you know on every stakeholder to be happy all the time we're going to kind of focus back on the um the pandemic a little bit and and kind of go back to you know some of the issues that that families faced during that time what what kind of residual impact do you think those you know those kind of um mid-pandemic issues have had on our certainly on our, not just our pupils but nationally in terms of national picture but also how how families are dealing with situations right now um
1: i mean if i think back to sort of when the the restrictions and things like that were in place and schools wanting to keep that feeling of of community going i know that one thing that lots of schools did was was provide some kind of remote learning for for children and i think this very quickly sort of became remote learning for families in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um and I know at at our school we were doing um some well-being groups and things like that with with some of the children. And what was fantastic was how many of the children actually got their parents involved to be part of um doing the cooking that we were talking about or making the collages or making special boxes with with memories in and things like that. Um, and i think it was it was through that where we started to realize actually we we can do so much more than provide just for the children we can do things for the parents as well and the adults to make them feel connected and, and part of their community too
0: mm. i think that's the key isn't it and that's <clears throat> sorry coughing again i don't know if i told everyone but i had COVID very recently i tested negative yesterday so i'm back in the game today um but the voice is, is still not quite there so that's why i'm drinking green is it green matcha um you know kind of that involvement of in parents is it has always been really really important um and and you know kind of in, in my experiences and i'm sure other teachers and educators listen to this as well you can't you can't have a successful relationship without the buy-in from um you know from the parents and the, and the carers that, that obviously trust you every day with um with their children but you know one of the key things that that i feel and i think will, will continue to improve is how parents are interacting with schools um do you do you feel like since the pandemic and since things have, have kind of moved forward a bit do you feel like that's improved or do you think it's Do you think it's probably a bit of a, a wide-reaching statement because everyone's got you know different issues with their schools, but generally, do you think in our communities and other schools that we speak to, do you feel the that that's improved?
1: I think it's certainly helped everybody to realise that we're all human. Um, and I think it's meant that people have been much more open with each other and much more authentic with each other. And I certainly feel um that parents in in our community are very very open with us now about things that are going on in their lives and and where they need support and you know asking for help or sharing things or you know letting us know of things going on that might be helpful for school and i think that's certainly come about through going through a time where we've all felt so vulnerable together it's kind of pulled people closer Mm. and brought out the best in everybody and you know i know um everybody is just so, so keen to help each other and, and support. And I think that kind of newfound sense of openness and authenticity between schools and families can only be a positive thing.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, it, it's very, very difficult, isn't Cause as I age, I think about, you know, you understand the parental care, you understand the child, you know, you work together as a team. And, and certainly I feel that th- there has been, change that's very difficult to describe in terms of how parents see school and and you know we're the kind of constant when maybe other things in their life haven't been and and how you know they're reacting to school has, has has generally improved and I I kind of I feel like a lot of the issues in teaching now aren't around how parents react or carers react it's more a kind of a you know an establishment point of view which you know is not for not for this podcast really at the moment but it's it's really interesting that that you know you mentioned about you know having that trust and and kind of moving it forward and and you know the school is a physical building of course but there were a lot of things within the pandemic that that they lacked and actually when school came back they had those things again and it is someone to talk to and you know, we always have to be very careful as educators where to draw the line in terms of how much we can actually solve or help them with in terms of those problems. Um, what apart from the obvious, what do you think at the moment is limiting um the help that schools can give to communities? And by obvious I mean, you know, money. <laughs> <laughs> Which is Not a everything, right?
1: I mean, yeah, it's it is it's resources really, and obviously money is a big a big resource a big part of resources but it's also people and it's also time because you need both of you need well you need money people and time you need more of all of those things um to be able to give better support and it's you know there's always more and more that we that we think of as as educators and that we want to do but for everything that you start doing there's a finite amount finite amount of time and so Mm. something then needs to go and it's it's finding that balance and I think the most one of the most important things in terms of serving your community and giving your community what they need is to really get to know your community you know go out and and meet the people that work in the in the local cafes in the shops meet your Police, community support officers, local MPs—you know, the people that that sweep the streets locally mm. and things like that—it's so important to to get to know them, so that with the finite resources that you do have, you can put those to best to best use.
0: I mean, we you know <clears throat> we have those um, those community partners in our school, and they are they're invaluable for us. You know, they really are. Um, Absolutely vital to what we do, and and there are a range of professions, there are a range of jobs, but you know what what they're able to give the children by giving them kind of very little in terms of money and time and everything else is just fantastic, and we are, you know, certainly in our school we're very very grateful, and I and I know looking at at kind of education uh, publications social media that other schools are doing that as well you know they're they're looking to branch out to to know to people and establishments in the community to be able to to kind of to raise the aspirations of the children not just what they're giving them in the classroom but also you know what they're um you know what they they're providing them kind of outside of school really um which which is which is really really important do you do you feel kind of you know another fairly big question for you do you feel restricted in what you are able to offer our children not from an education point of view because that's that's separate you know that's a kind of a school um a school running issue but do you feel do you feel there's more that you would want to give our children and I say our children because obviously we do work together within the community and experiences that you'd you'd want to give them
1: I I would love to, and it goes back to, you know, what I said right at the beginning about early on in my career, realising the importance of of pastoral care. Um, And there is so much more that I'd like to be able to offer to our children and and families and to our local community as well. Um, And I know, I think that, like, if I could, you know, I've discussed with you before about in an ideal world, um if we waved a magic wand and things what could what could schools look like and you know i i always talk about this 7am to 7pm wrap around care free for all children and you know i'm not saying that flippantly i know that there are a number of reasons um why that would be very very difficult and a lot of things would need to change but in terms of supporting working parents and being able to provide all of that extra pastoral care and raising aspirations and and that kind of thing you know you've got these huge buildings really amazing buildings some of them that are open for a certain number of hours a day but for a lot of the time you know sitting empty and actually they're an amazing resource and i think I know there are places that that do wonderful things and make great use of their school buildings, um, but certainly not everywhere. And again, it just comes back to those limited resources that we've talked about, but definitely I think there's so much more that could be offered.
0: And do you think <clears throat> what's stopping that at the moment is, um you, you know, I'm, I'm talking here, I'm moving away from our school. Um, I'm, I'm talking more generally in terms of education. Do you feel that, What's limiting that is, is kind of time on the community, uh, let's say citizens' parts. Do you think it's down to money? Do you think it's down to a lack of vision? Or do you think, and this is not a loaded question, <laughs> do you think it's down to um, education generally and kind of society around education, not really understanding the kind of the real world and what what problems, um, I say our children, but the children in the United Kingdom at the moment are facing.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, we, we, we talk a lot about what, you know, what makes a brilliant school in the community. And, you know, I think communities thrive and are their best when everyone can be authentic and be their best version, which, you know, I talk about a lot. Sure. Um, and, ha- and have a voice and feel connected which is, is sort of what we started talking about at the beginning of this podcast and I think you know really that we need to start looking at success of schools and success in education as being something that's much more holistic than just the academic and I know schools do that already in a lot of ways with with you know the pastoral curriculum and extracurricular activities and those kind of things but i'm thinking so much more wider than that you know which would obviously be completely changing the role of, of schools in some ways but
2: mm.
1: you know things at the moment there is so much that is not working i mean in in the world as a whole there's so much that's not <laughs> yeah, working yeah, but no, it, let's yeah. let's stick with let's stick with education and schools at the moment and i think You know, we want we want our young people to be their best versions, and you know, that's massive part of our our school values and things. And we want everyone in society to be their best version. And in order for that to happen, the community around people needs to reinforce those healthy behaviours. And yes, there are there are some young people who have a community around them, a family around them that do reinforce incredibly healthy behaviours, but in the world that we're in now in the society that we're in now, there are a lot of young people that don't have that as their immediate family. And so that needs to be, to be community. And I think, you know, I was at, um, I was at a yoga festival, completely going off on a different tangent over, over the summer. And there was an excellent speaker at one of them. Um, and a line that she said that really stuck with me was, we don't need globalization right now. What we need is localization. And that really stuck with me because I think, yeah, we do we do need to focus locally on our, our small communities, making those really, really strong and making those really, really supportive for people. Um, why not have a massive rethink of the role that schools play in doing that?
0: Hmm. On that very profound note, we're going to go to news. Um, and then we're going to come back and talk about some of those successes and, and some of the things that, that schools can continue to do. Um to, to kind of drive uh, to, to kind of drive you know being the central point of the community really. Um, so we're going to be we're going to be right back with you after the news segment. Don't go anywhere.
2: This show is brought to you in partnership with John Katz Educational, a leading publisher of books, directories, educational guides, and magazines specifically aimed at forward thinking schools in the UK and beyond. Have you checked out their latest releases? Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading.
3: This is Teachers Talk Radio. And this is Teachers Talk Radio News.
4: With the majority of pupils returning to schools this week, the new year has brought new announcements and new challenges for many in the education sector. Government advice about illness and staying away from education settings if you're sick was shared and the issue of strikes remains a hot topic. Pressures on school leaders continue with The Guardian reporting that many head teachers are broken, at risk of heart attacks and exhausted as a result of the erosion of services for children and families meaning the burden of support is falling on the shoulders of schools too often. So as the new year begins on a duller note than any of us might like, here are the top stories that have caught the eye of Teachers Talk Radio News this week. In Manchester, the Morning Star reports that students at one of the city's universities have launched a rent strike. Students at the University of Manchester are using the strike to press their demands for an end to what they describe as extortionate rents, and their requests for a 30% cash rebate. Organisers say that more than 30 students per day are joining the protest, spurred by the combined effects of the cost of living crisis and poor quality accommodation provided at too high a cost. According to the National Union of Students, half of England's students are facing financial difficulty, with three quarters of these saying they expect this to have an impact on their studies. A previous rent strike in Manchester in 2021 was successful and students hope to replicate this outcome in this new wave of action. FE Week reports on Ofqual's decision to disband its committee of experts who advise on exam standards in favour of a more flexible approach on policy advice. The Standards Advisory Group has been active for more than a decade and was set up to help the exam watchdog maintain standards. Ofqual confirmed that the Committee will be replaced to reflect a broader remit, such as expansions in vocational and technical qualifications and apprenticeships. Ofqual has faced criticism and no upheaval over decisions and communication during the pandemic. Deputy Chief Regulator Michael Hanton described the change as positive and will secure quality and fairness for all those who take and use qualifications. Prime Minister Rishi Sunak, who recently announced his ambition to have all young people study maths to the age of 18, has faced a barrage of criticism about his plan. The I newspaper reports that Robin Walker, chair of the Commons Education Select Committee, feels that the PM should be focusing more on the early years sector to boost education levels instead. He calls the maths plan highly challenging, citing the nationwide shortage of subject specialists as the biggest barrier. Mr. Walker, Conservative MP for Worcester and a former education minister, highlighted issues around recruitment and retention as people with maths qualifications are quite employable elsewhere. So it is a highly competitive market when it comes to drawing people into teaching. He added that focus on the early years sector would be the most effective way of supporting children, describing it as embarrassing that England's childcare system is rated so poorly compared to other countries. The Eye also carries news of the decision by Catherine Burblesing to step down from her role as social mobility czar. Ms Burblesing, once dubbed Britain's strictest head teacher, has made the surprise announcement because she believes she comes with too much baggage, going on to say that her propensity to voice opinions that are considered controversial puts the Commission in jeopardy. Ms Burblesing wrote of her decision in a column in Schools Week. A controversial figure for many, but with an equally vociferous fan base, Ms. Bevill Singh also commented that she felt the role of social mobility are meant that she was becoming a politician, but that this was not a skill set she wished to develop. Finally, ITV News reports on how parts of a Turkish Airlines plane have been delivered to a school in Alveston, South Gloucestershire, to be turned into a new library. The project, named "Flying High" by pupils we'll see parts of the plane turned into a new outdoor reading area full details can be found on the ITV website with artist impressions of the final project showing children and adults enjoying new space this has been your Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox
3: this is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods your Tech Briefing on Teachers Talk Radio Hello! Did you know I've been doing this show for a year now? Well, if you didn't, now you do. So shower me in gifts and love. I'm kidding. But there is one person or group of people I want you to think about as this term draws to a close. Your tech support. They may, in your mind, be the people that say no to a lot of stuff. They may stop pupils playing games and stop a lot of the web getting into your classroom. But they keep you, your data, and your network safe. This week, as some of us are off, and others are desperate to be, roll on Wednesday! Spare a thought for your techie. They'll be coming in over the break to patch and update. They'll be taking those broken machines and making them work again. These people, who in most schools are like ghosts. If Charles Dickens had had the privilege of tech support, they'd have been the spirits of modern-day make-do and mend. They wouldn't be draped in chains and padlocks, but come bearing an endless acceptable use policy. As you wind down, or if you have already, A thank you to your tech support will make your new year that little bit easier. Remember, next time you use tech in your lessons, everything is working because of them. As always, I'd love to hear what you want to know about tech. Let us know at TTR 2022. I'm Steve Woods, and that was Two Minute Tech. Have a lovely break. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods. Your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio.
0: Alrighty, we are back live on The Twilight Show with me, Ben Thomas. Um, if you just joined the show, where have you been? First of all, you've missed a good 42 minutes and three seconds now of the show already. Um, <clears throat> I, uh, I'm i recovering from COVID, or rather I have recovered from COVID from a test point of view, but my voice is still on the way out, so that's why I kind of sound like I've been gargling gravel more than I usually have. Um, just listen to the news there, Louisa. We, um, we listened to uh, Bible Sing, or we listened to the comment about Bible Sing, and you you pulled a bit of a face. What are your what are your views on on what's gone on there?
1: Um, I mean, I <laughs> you know how I feel about talking about this kind of thing too much before I've read reams and reams of information true. about things. You do know that about me, that don't true, you? Yeah. I don't like to give comments and thoughts on things unless I. <laughs> have studied them inside out and I certainly um, have not studied her inside out or um, that particular news article as such but I don't it's just kind of another change in a very public figure stepping Mm -hmm. down from something and kind of giving up a bit before anything has really got going um which just you know maybe it's the right thing maybe it's not the right thing but it's just lack of consistency again (laughs) and you cannot you know how can we build people's trust and that connectedness and you know all these kinds of things we've been talking about on this podcast sense of belonging and that when there are just constantly people changing in positions all the time
0: I think that's the key isn't it I've not you know I've not really followed in terms of what she's she's been up to really it's not you know everyone's got their own views and everyone moves in in different ways but but certainly what I've read is is kind of very um very different to how I would I would expect a school to run you know I'm a, I'm a parent myself so it's it's not it's not a kind of school that I'd want my own children to go to but you know look everyone's everyone's got a right to their opinion and it's it's one of those things where she's she's made the decision and, and she moves on. But it's um it's an interesting one where we have you know education and and, and kind of politics and they've always been linked. But I, I don't ever think the boundaries have been more blurred than they ever have. Really, um, we're gonna we're gonna link back to something you said before I played the news about success. Um, and and you know you talked about you know the wraparound care idea, which is which is a great idea. Um, i'm sure people that, that make decisions would balk at that from a from a financial point of view mm-hmm. but from a from a well-being and from a the whole child perspective which is what you know education is is really has moved to in the last sort of you know five years certainly i feel um what you know f- for you what would what would success look like in terms of community support across the board in education what kind of things would you go yeah do you know what actually that's a great initiative from from the powers that be what what kind of stuff would you be looking at and going put this in place
1: um i think it's it's quite it's quite tricky to sort of say a blanket this is what i would do or this is what success would look like because i think success in a lot of ways if we're talking about holistic approach to looking at success would be very different for individual schools and individual communities and i think you know i would if i if i had that power if i was the woman in charge um i would do what any new head teacher would do really when going into a school which is that you you listen a lot you spend a lot of time listening to to all stakeholders to all all the different staff in your school to all of the people around you um and i know you know we use a tool in our school that's a tool used within the social care system too um called the three houses tool and very simple and very effective but you know house of bad things house of good things and house of dreams what would you what would you have in each of those things and it's a really um effective tool to get people thinking provides a good you know framework structure for for talk and discussion gives people something to go with rather than just a blank starting point but you know certainly listening learning from your community and then building that sense of trust i think you know going back to what i was saying in terms of your earlier question in order to to change things and and to be successful su- a, a huge part of success is having people in those leadership roles that people trust and that people feel are, are going to listen to them and once you've built that sense of trust you then got to show people that you are acting on the advice that they've given and and you know very simple things of you you know you said this and so we've done this Mm -hmm. you told me this and so i've done this and you know even in terms of just very small things initially um but i think in in terms of sort of saying a blanket what that would look like that's quite tricky i think it for, for me it's more about actually really working out what the best thing would be to do for individual communities, individual schools, and then, you know, giving them more autonomy to do that, perhaps, than they have currently, which in turn would probably mean releasing certain accountability that's currently in place. I mean, you know, it's a a, a big, it's a big job, and it would, it would take a very, very long time, but it, it needs to be done because as I've said, you know, as, as things are at the moment, there's just so much that's just not working.
0: I mean, I'm, I'm smiling here because um, <clears throat> that was my next question because I used the word blanket and I instantly thought, no, she's, you know, I say she, Louise is going to bat this back, which she did. Um, it's almost like we work together. Yeah, I know. And then, you know, you kind of mentioned the autonomy thing, which could be my next question in terms of <laughs> should, do you think, which was a stupid question because I knew what your answer was going to be, do you think schools should be given more autonomy? So we're, we're agreed on that, we're aligned with that, we know that. In your opinion, then, as someone who is a, is a school leader, who is a head teacher, who has, you know, a lot of responsibilities, a lot of things juggling, what, in an ideal world, someone said to you, all right, uh, Miss Sangera, head of uh, your school, we're going to give you autonomy to be able to put community projects in place. What would that look like to you?
1: Um and I'll you know I'll go back to what I said about having a, a holistic approach to education and and something that I'm very passionate about myself is health. Um
0: This is why we're drinking this tea.
1: This is why <laughs> this is partly why we're drinking this tea and why I'm sitting as far away from you as possible <laughs> currently. Um but yet, you know, if you if you don't have your health, and I mean, you know, I'm talking your physical health, your, your mental health. If you don't have those things, you don't have anything really. Mm. You know, I don't, and I don't want to sound massively dramatic. Enough, no, no. I get but it. I you, get it's it. it's so so important to keep yourself healthy in in all respects, and we are we're living in a world at the moment where so many people in the world are not as healthy as they could be mm. and i don't think enough enough time is given to the importance of teaching that in schools because there are there are so many other things that we that we need to teach and and like i've said before if you introduce something you've got to let something go unless we continue to extend and extend the school day but i just think that teaching children and families the importance of of living a healthy lifestyle would then have such a huge impact on on them individually but also on society as a whole and so many of the the long term problems that we've got going on currently and you know the nhs is in is in crisis and things mm-hmm. like that and you know just the importance of a good Diet, your diet, you know what you're putting into your body, you, that's your fuel.
0: And I think you know, just to jump in there, that's that's the real frustration and a bit of context where we've we've kind of moved away from <clears throat> you know those kind of themed weeks a little bit because we recognise as a leadership team that actually you've got to be this stuff has got to be underpinned in your your school ethos, your school culture, your school movements. It's no good going for a week, right? You know, you've got to eat vegetables, you've got to eat fruit. You got to get fresh air and, and, and all the rest of it. This stuff's got to be ingrained in our young people from, from very, very early on and, and teachers, whether it's right or wrong, I've, I've got to lead on that if if those those young people are not getting that from, from home and in terms of role modeling. So, you know, we, we've moved away from from that kind of element of, of those theme weeks, which, which you know, were effectively tick tick box exercises, certainly when I started all those years ago. Um so you know that that that's really important really um you know in terms of what else you were saying, do you think then that if schools were were given that autonomy, that there would be more there would be an even kind of greater shift away from the services that still exist locally? Do you feel like the accountability would increase on you know school leaders and then filter down, or do you think it would just kind of be part and parcel of the job basically?
1: um it's tricky to say really I think you know there were, it, it depends how much autonomy was given and, and that would come from I guess how much trust was put into those leaders because you're not going to give people autonomy unless there is that trust and that's where you need you know consistent leadership and and people starting something and and finishing it but I'm sorry, I've, I've forgotten what your question was, but
0: that really sorry, me. <laughs> <laughs> in terms of, <laughs> the amount of times you do this is just appalling. Really is. I know. Yeah. It's Who I, do I speak to about I'm, this? How too, do I escalate this I'm project? too used to not listening to yeah, It's really hard. It's having a horrendous to- thing to say <laughs> on my debut show, because it is my debut show. Really. Um, I was just, you know, in terms of accountability, from, if you know, schools were given that autonomy. Do you think the accountability would increase? Do you think then that there would almost be like a separate scrutiny element to, okay, we've given you this autonomy to work within the community and improve, um, you know, that being dramatic, life expectations, life aspirations away from the classroom, do you think that would be, with, with that autonomy, do you think that would become, you know, a kind of a, almost like a tag on to, well, hold on a minute, we've said you've got to do this, so we've got to monitor it in this
1: way. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you for refreshing <laughs> my energy. I know, I'm awful. Um Yes, I mean I think I think if there was going to be a you know that level of autonomy, yes, accountability would have to increase. But I think that accountability would be coming from different people or different a different body to where it comes from now. And I think the accountability really would be coming more from the community. If they're if you're getting that autonomy and they're putting that trust into you, more of the accountability, I guess, would come from the parents, the families, the, you know, the partners that you're working with to provide the the education and, and the approach that you're giving. So yes, absolutely, there there should be accountability. You don't want people just doing whatever, but the accountability should be coming from the people that it
0: directly affects. I mean, you know, my my concern with that is that schools are almost, <clears throat> I say accidentally, that's wrong, because you, you know, you use the key phrase about listening, and you know, going in and just, just kind of observing and just hearing about the things that people want to improve on, and and kind of issues that are relevant to to communities and, and schools within those communities for sure. But, but my concern would be that someone would go, okay, well, we're going to give you this autonomy, but we're also going to tell you how to do it, and that that goes back to what we were talking about in terms of a blanket approach, which just wouldn't, you know, wouldn't wouldn't be appropriate for this. Um, and and I guess really. You know, and the, the bigger picture with education and teaching is that there's almost an expectation that schools get on with this, but with no budget, no real kind of support, which, you know, to some extent schools don't need if they're working within the communities. But kind of outreach programs have stopped, um, other local services have stopped within the, the council and, and and local government as well. And it becomes very, very difficult to kind of drive some of the changes that that schools want to see. So, you know, we're we're talking hypothetically here at the moment. Of course we are, because we do this every day. A lot of schools, you know, people listening will do this every day within their settings. But actually, there needs to be a very serious conversation very, very soon about the importance of schools, not just from an academic setting, but from a kind of how are you helping? You know, we we hear all the time about schools setting up their own food banks. It's something that we've obviously heavily talked about as well, which is something that we want to do long-term at our school. But the idea that, that schools are becoming more and more the, the central focus to, to their communities and, and being pillars of, of kind of safety for a lot of these people is, is so important. And I think we're, you know, as a society, we're a million miles away from having that kind of mentality embedded across the board. Um, so it's, uh, you know, there's a lot of work to do. And, and I think this is where schools networking in terms of what they do within their community is so important, whether you're part of a map, whether you're part of a local, um, you know, borough, whether you're, you know, completely independent, whatever it is, just reaching out and having that conversation with schools about the issues that your communities are facing, how you can kind of pull resources in a lot of respects. Um, I suppose really, you know, it, the, the, the final thing that I would, ask you on this topic would be, do you think the government recognise at the moment that schools are integral to communities? Yes or no? You
1: have to put (laughs) yes or no in the end. Um, No.
0: Okay. In your opinion, what do you think they could do to improve their understanding of how important schools are in communities?
1: Take action that shows they value schools. Um, For example, in terms of physical school buildings and you know that this is something very close to my heart, um, but school buildings are where a number of adults are spending their entire working day and a number of children are you know getting their education every single day and so many of those adults and children are doing that in buildings that i think a lot of people in government would not want to sit in every day and be in every day and i'm sure that a lot of people listening to this will have had that experience in in school buildings themselves
0: I think that's the key, isn't it? It's what we always say to <clears throat> to our leadership team. And and someone, you know, very, very wise taught me in my very first teaching job when I was on QT, is that the, the best way to to understand what's going on in school is just get out and take the temperature. And you, you know, you walk around and you see what's going on. And, you know, that's why, that's why we've largely done away with formal lesson observations in our school, because you, you can walk into a class, start of the day, you know how the day's going to go. If you're looking at a lesson, you walk in for five minutes, you take the temperature, you know what's going on happy days. But that's, I think that's really the kind of the simmering frustration with a lot of big in education, is that people calling the shots and making these decisions don't know, you know, the conditions that communities are in, don't know the condition that some of the physical school buildings are in, don't know about the lack of resources really. And I think, you know, what you said there is absolutely bang on in terms of understanding these problems a lot more and, and you know, having a little bit more empathy around that. And, you know, it's not, It's not going to go away it's suddenly not going to just there's not going to be you know a non cost of living crisis you know stuff is not going to get better instantly it's going to be i feel quite a difficult year and 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 long term schools are going to need to be given i feel and i'm sure you hopefully feel the same as well that that schools will will potentially go in and 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 kind of um you know improve their offering in terms of how they're how they work in communities really um we're going to go to uh, a message from one of our sponsors and then we will be right back
2: this show is brought to you in partnership with john katz educational a leading publisher of books directories educational guides and magazines specifically aimed at forward-thinking schools in the uk and beyond have you checked out their latest releases? Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading.
0: You, um, we're back by the way, we're back live. Uh, you're with me on the Tuesday Twilight show. Uh, I'm Ben Thomas. I'm joined by Louisa Sangera, who is uh, currently sat next to me. We finished our matcha tea, green tea.
1: Are you a convert?
0: Yes, yeah, all right. Yeah, it's okay. And the cat's chilled out, which is good. He's well no, so I've just said that and he's moving now. Um oh he's rolling over. It's funny, isn't it? Teachers teachers love cats. I've I've got two of my own, um, and they're just they're absolutely brilliant and, and this little chap Rocco is um he's a black, fluffy thing and he's got beautiful eyes and he's currently trying to I don't know what he's doing actually. He's just yawning and trying to be aggressive, but it's not working. Um, you talked a little bit about yoga earlier didn't you you kind of dropped that in about i
1: didn't mean to i going to a yoga festival
0: (laughs) um and you know we've been talking about communities and and kind of what goes on there you do you do something quite cool with our school building don't you and and kind of what you've been doing with our children um do you want to talk a little bit about that now? Actually, I haven't got a choice because it's my favorite. <laughs> you've got to talk about it
1: now. So. Oh, still getting used to taking your direction, Ben Thomas. <laughs> um, in terms of yoga, I'm guessing, hmm. you're you're talking about, because obviously there's a lot of cool stuff I do with
0: our building. It's hard to we'll go with the yoga first of all and, and what you've been doing with the kids and and you know our, our carers and parents and stuff.
1: Yeah, so um. Yeah, I t- I'm a qualified yoga teacher as well. Um, and I I came into yoga through you know various um, personal experiences that I had but it really really helped me in a lot of ways and I think as a teacher and all of us as teachers when you come across something and you can see what a difference it makes you just want to share it with other people um, no matter what it is because it's in our blood as as teachers and, and practitioners and I I just really wanted to share yoga with our with our community because of the benefits that I can see that it has. And I wanted to do it in a way that was accessible to our community as well, in terms of it not um, costing them anything or a, a huge amount to be able to access um, and to feel like it was something that was open and, and available to them. Um, and yes, I've, I've taught some yoga through PE sessions at school with a lot of the children, um, which they've absolutely loved. And I think, you know, not, they've had perhaps one view of what it is and realized actually it's, it's something very different and there are so many different, um, limbs to it. And there are obviously the postures and everything that you do on the mat, but it's, it's so much more than that in terms of the the values and the the discipline that it instills um and then yeah I, you know I, I didn't just want that to be something for the children to experience I wanted the local community to have that chance to and, and parents and so yeah I do um offer that to our local community one evening a week and it's it's brilliant it's fantastic I've met some great people through doing that we've had some brilliant people into our school building through doing that who didn't know we were there otherwise and mm. made wider links into the community and help people meet each other and form social interactions that they perhaps wouldn't have done otherwise so yeah um is that was that what you were wanting <laughs> <laughs> yeah well,
0: I, I, I just think it's proof that you know it doesn't it doesn't need it doesn't need a lot of money you know yoga is is and you know i'm a yoga convert to be honest it's it's I, I really noticed an improvement in, in my overall kind of, <laughs> say, flexibility. But you know, my overall health and kind of how it makes you feel and the intentions involved. But it doesn't. It's one of those things that doesn't need loads of equipment. It's not like you're playing football or tennis where you've got to go out and buy you know kit and football boots and, and rackets and stuff. You know, it can be done. Can be done on the floor. Obviously, it can be done with with a very simple, straightforward, cheap mat. And I think. You know, certainly from from my point of view, seeing our pupils and 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 you know, listening to you talk about the kind of people that have been attending those community sessions in our school building, has been fantastic. Really, that that kind of engagement level is is what we drive, and you know, that's that's really really important. Um, and I know, I know, obviously, it's it's a passion of yours and something that you love, and and you get a lot out of as well. So, yeah, it's good stuff, really. Um, kind of away from from teaching. And you know, I know that yoga is obviously something that you do a lot of. Is is do the right word? Do you do yoga? Practice. Practice yoga, okay. <laughs> Practice yoga. What what kind of other stuff do you do to, you know, as a leader keep you grounded, keep you healthy, keep you in the building most days? Um, you know, that sort of
2: stuff.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean I you know, I've I've spoken already about how important I think it is for everybody to To take the best care of their own health as they can um and for me in the role i do it's it's really important for me to look after myself so that i can look after everybody else i know it sounds you know a little bit cheesy in some ways but it's it's so true because if you know i'm i'm walking around telling everyone that i want them to be their best version but if i'm not my best version i can't i can't role model that and be authentic Mm -hmm. about that and, and expect them to be theirs so Yeah, I do, you know, I, I spend time doing things that I, you know, hope are going to make me feel my best and be able to do my best for, for the community that I serve. Um, I love being, I love being outside apart from in, in the lovely rainy weather that we've been having recently. I do still try and get out in it, but you know, I, I like to be outside. I like, I like going running. I like walking. I like being in nature. Um, you know any, anything outdoors I like you know I, I love the beach don't live near a beach obviously but um, I love being in those sort of wide expanse outdoor spaces I just find that very very grounding um, and it just helps me to kind of think about what my own values are and stick with my values and not kind of get off track and caught up in comparing what I'm doing to what other people are doing and you know just keeps me very focused on on myself so I love all of that I love to read um I've got books all over my house in all the different rooms in my house and I love you know I like to read fiction but I also read a lot of non-fiction around sort of teaching and and learning and leadership health fitness diet sleep is something that um (laughs) it's very hard to get enough of but you know the older I get the more I read about and you know know firsthand how important it is to to get enough sleep and and look after myself um i watch a bit of series and netflix and things like that every now and again but i i do find that books keep my attention a lot more than watching something on a screen does if i'm reading a book i can't do anything else at the same time and i do very much like being present i mean you hear me say to you all the time that i hate multitasking and i don't believe anybody can multitask
0: well (laughs)
2: Um,
0: no you're not nobody is (laughs) but just just going back to you know so again like really good examples of stuff that you value so we and and i i in this you know episode as you've been listening to i am going to keep referring back to real-life experiences and what we're doing currently in, in our school because I think that's really important because it's no point me coming on here and going oh yeah communities is communities that if I don't give you practical examples of what we've we've been doing and aiming to do as a school moving forward um, and you know I'm not out here saying that we get it right because we don't you know we obviously make mistakes but one of the things that that Louise identified and it, it sounds really really obvious but sleep is such a big thing and sleep routines are. such a massive part of 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 childhood but also as an adult as well and we've got a fantastic family worker we've got a fantastic senko, and they kind of created um a kind of a sleep workshop for parents not where they came in and said you're just gonna go to sleep but we should do that we should do that actually like a (laughs) mood room that'd be (laughs) wicked like a sensory room but for parents that'd be cool um but kind of like you know getting those routines in place are so important for our for our young people and our pupils because you know, we know as adults, pushing 40, dare I even say it, <gasps> pushing 40, talking to you, <laughs> not me, um, is that, you know, sleep is, is really vital. And and if we don't share that with our young people and our students, how are they going to know if they're not given those expectations? If If there's a problem at home? You know, in terms of setting those expectations and those routines, that's, that's what we've tried to do to do that. Same with reading, you know, set up a parent book, book swap where they can take books every Friday and stuff like that. So all these little things kind of feed into that, you know, that mentality of, of trying to help the community, not just from a kind of, you know, this is how we teach maths, this is the expectations for the end of year six or year two or, you know, uh, reception baselines and, and so on, just about the kind of holistic approach and, and the whole child. Um, which you know is, is something that that in our school we've always tried to to value. Really,
1: go. Sorry, I'm interrupting you on your own. Go it's happened. It. It's, it. Happened. It. it's yeah. happened. I waited one hour and eleven minutes before I interrupted you. And four it's seconds. A record. I you it's no, an absolute, no, absolute yeah. record. Um, I've forgotten. What, no, I haven't. <laughs> I was going to say I forgot what I was going to say. Just because you um you sort of picked up on what I said about values there, and I think you know kind of going back to what we were saying about heart of the community and and the values of your community i have always said that it's really important for us as staff in schools to really know what our values are and to be authentic about that and share that um mm-hmm. with our children and with our families and you know i come i come back to my own values every every so often with the children in school and i always say to them my three core values are kindness compassion and curiosity and i you know i talk about how i how i came to sort of have those three things as my values and and what the actions are that i try to do every day to make sure that i'm living by those values and i think it's it's so important for the values that you have as a school to kind of then seep out into your local community so that it's almost, you know, the community's values reflect the school's values, school values ref- reflect the community, and it is, you know, it is one one whole community together, the mm. heart.
0: Yeah, you're right, you're absolutely right, and you, you know, you can't have one without the other, can you really? So it's important that there's always that, that collaboration. Um, going back to you reading, what are you reading at the moment? What book have you been looking at?
1: What am I reading at the moment that is a very good... I've I've always got more than one book on the go. It's, you see. So it's I've got like various that. various books on the go. I'm actually re-reading um, a book. You, <laughs> you looked at me then as though why on earth would someone why would anyone read a book? a book more than once? Yeah. Um, I'm re-reading a book which is called Think Like a Monk. Okay. By a guy called Jay Shetty, um, big big fan of of his podcasts. Um, I think he's absolutely fantastic. But um, he he spent some time um, living as a monk in a monastery in India. Um, he doesn't anymore. But he his book Think Like a Monk is is absolutely fantastic in terms of well, you know, value setting and what I've just been mm. talking about and and being your authentic self um and grounding yourself and I mean there's, there's just all sorts of stuff in there that I come back to fairly regularly actually but kind of this time of year I often like to revisit books that have had a big impact on me just to kind of read the same text and think about whether it affects me in the same way as it did a year ago um so yeah I'm I'm rereading that at the moment Sorry, the cat's
0: being noisy again. <laughs> the cat is being noisy, he's banging the door. Um, <clears throat> well, I'm reading almost the complete opposite book. So I, you know, we, we have these conversations in school with our, you know, our, um, our adults and, and, you know, just to kind of get a bit of background on what they're doing. And I'm reading, I'm reading a, uh, the, kind of the autobiography of a guy called Drew McIntyre, who is a, a professional wrestler. And he was, or is currently... Um, he's not the champion at the moment, but he was the first uh, British uh, champion in in WWE, which you know, phenomenal achievement. But you know, I, I like I like reading about people and their experiences because it there's always something that you can take from a from a geeky point of view in terms of bringing it back to teaching and you know obstacles and and work ethic and and you know experiences that you can always kind of you know share with your pupils and and stuff like that. So so that's kind of what I'm reading at the moment. Um, but it's you know it's it's interesting that that you you kind of are able to read lots of different books. Um, do you do that with TV series as well? Are you able? To read TV <laughs>
1: um, no, I always read lots of different books because the thing is, I listen to I listen to lots of podcasts where they have people who've written books as guests, and then that person mentions their book, and then I hmm. have to buy that book and start reading A- it immediately. Three, basically. <laughs> basically yeah um but you know i'm also reading a book called the hidden life of trees at the moment um which is again is totally different you're sort of trying not to laugh now aren't you
0: i just did that face (laughs) i always pull really when you say something that i think might be ridiculous (laughs)
1: but no it's it's i mean there was a whole part of it about how um it used to be thought that trees and plants were kind of like fighting for attention um and to get the sort of the most light and get all the best kind of nutrients and things but actually they work together as communities Mm. and they support each other and they can even let each other know if there's danger through kind of things happening through the roots and things like that it's all it's very very interesting I've only just started it which is called? the hidden life of trees
0: okay
1: (laughs) but um yeah so I have lots of different genres going on um, you asked me about series, though, whether I watch more than one series at a time. No, I don't usually. I'm currently watching um, The Morning Show okay, with Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon. I'm um, really enjoying that.
0: Um, well, I'm, I'm watching I'm watching a program called The Rig on Amazon Prime. Well, I said, I mean, I've said it anyway. It's out there. Um, <laughs> it's, it's really good, actually. It's, 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 whoa, the cat is going crazy right now. He is running around like the panther um so yeah so so again it's kind of one of those things where i'm I, you know i've been in my role as as a deputy head for <clears throat> officially for like one year or coming up for one year but actually i've had the kind of role in, in different iterations for maybe probably 3 or 4 years really um you know call it different things but, but kind of the the principle is the same um and i i every time i look at stuff i look at how if there's leaders in it i look, I look at how they behave and, and the kind of stuff that they do to be able to look after and, and kind of celebrate and respect and, and appreciate the people around them and the rig is a, is a really good example of that so if you're not checked out yet it's on amazon prime it's really really good um it's got some cracking characters in it a lot of people if you go online have, have absolutely panned it but personally for me it's escapism drawn into it you know the, the, the leadership of, of, of the people in the program the characters in the program absolutely fantastic and if you watch game of thrones there's probably about four or five people actors and actresses that were in it as well so there's kind of a a quite nice link there really um it just about sort of brings us to to the end of of this podcast before i um, before i do that we've got we've got quite a few things on on teach talk radio at the moment um we've got tom uh you know founder and, and leader and Kind of the main guy at, at Teach Talk Radio. He's he did a like a, a a podcast yesterday on on Chat GTP. So I don't know if you've you've kind of heard of that. Well, I mean you would have done unless you've been living under a rock. Um, and the impact that will have on on teaching. Um, if you can still hear me, you're doing really well because the cat has found a piece of tinfoil maybe, and he's just charging around. Look, have the pencil. So yeah, so, so Tom came out with um, th- this podcast yesterday. A lot of people listen to it, you know, a lot of, of traction on social media. Um, I'm, I'm going to listen to it uh, tomorrow. I haven't had a chance yet because I was kind of preparing uh, for my own podcast because I'm incredibly selfish. But that's that's available to, to download and listen back to now in terms of, of chat GTP and the impact on on, it, on education. So a lot of good stuff there. Um, we've got Jane tomorrow morning. She's on the morning break at 11 o'clock, and she's preparing future teachers for CL. I L, so that's that's going to be quite interesting. So, preparing future teachers for C L I L. Harry is up tomorrow uh, on the Twilight Show, six p.m. He's talking like, about green classrooms, which I think is is so important oh, at the moment, like, really, yeah. really important. It probably links back to your Secret Life of Trees potentially, but <laughs> again, you know, being green and and kind of having that eco focus is is a bit more of a driver now for schools and should be more of a driver. And I think you know, young people. Are much more acutely aware of of what needs to happen um, to be able, to say, rescue the planet. Is that the right phrase? But something along those lines in terms of being able to, um, you know, being able to to kind of celebrate being greener and, and kind of care for the planet a little bit more so that's that's harry at 6pm tomorrow uh dr poppy gibson who i know sort of reasonably well done a few projects with her i have to call her dr poppy gibson because she doesn't like poppy because she'll get all funny so we call her, her official title she's on at 11 o'clock on friday morning and she's talking to ian wigston the author so that'll be quite an interesting one in terms of of having um her author celebrities i don't know what they
2: i don't know i suppose they are in
0: their own right aren't they really Anyone who writes a book—that's a whole other podcast. Is, How do yeah. you define
1: celebrity?
0: What is a celebrity? The, the cult of celebrity in teaching. Maybe that'll be the next one. Who knows? Um, talking to celebrities, I've had my very own local celebrity, uh, Louisa Sangera. Um, thank you so much for for joining me on this um, this debut podcast. Actually, the first one we tried to do, we did it at school, and we realised—or I quickly realised—that the um, the firewall setting wouldn't let me go live, which was hilariously awkward but also incredibly frustrating so i'm really pleased that that kind of christmas is out of the way new year's out of the way and we can you know hopefully get back into a uh, into routine with this one so it's been really really good to um to have you on the show have you enjoyed it
1: i have i have thank you so much for having me it's fair i've not done anything like this before so it has been very enjoyable. And um, yeah, thank you so much for having me on. And hopefully I will be invited back in the future and we can talk about something Yeah, different. well,
0: there's a lot to talk about in education at the moment. Um, you know, if you follow me or you, you have me on um, Twitter, particularly and LinkedIn, I put a video up just before I caught COVID, actually, weirdly, about how, how difficult it is at the moment um, in, in teaching. And, and as I said at the top of the show, for me, it's... Um, it, it's not a calling because that's a really archaic view, but it's all I've ever done from a family of teachers. And I, you know, personally, I've I've never been happier in terms of, of going into school every day and, and stuff like that. So, you know, it's, it's a job that I'm incredibly grateful for. Um, but, you know, I'm acutely aware that that the issues that face profession at the moment are, are massive and, and hopefully together we can move those forward. Um, thank you so much for, for listening. I will be back in two weeks time, two weeks from today, which is like the 20 something of January um, with another guest talking about an element of education on The Twilight Show uh, at 6pm on Tuesday. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, take care.